Tyler, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate Let's you. Pop some Indio H2O. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. I see you literally getting it in. I want to say every day. I mean, you've been pretty consistent every day at Legacy, right? Of course. My goal is to try to be here a minimum of five days a week. Okay. So if I don't do five days, I look at myself as I failed. So I have your trainers text me. Where are you? One day, one week I went on vacation. Rachel texted me. Marcus texted me. Christy texted me. Where are you? I'm like, I'm allowed to go on vacation. <laughs> I love so, it though. That's yeah. good. I love that. That's, uh, you know, I, I like hearing you say that because we want a culture of accountability. It's, it's why one of the main reasons community and accountability, and I think they go hand in hand. I think a true community challenges each other to be accountable and you're a part of that community and, and we love having you and, and just hearing you say that it, it just makes me feel good that our staff is doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I mean, they have great leadership. Yes. Well, <laughs> we try, we definitely try. So let's just dive into this. I mean, you reached out to me and you said, I want to be on this podcast, which I love. I love people that take action and kind of put themselves in situations that you know, maybe otherwise you wouldn't be in unless you ask. And I think that's something that people can take home is you don't ask for, you don't get what you don't ask for. And, uh, you know, one of the main reasons I said yes is number one, your consistency here and seeing you every day. But then number two, just the fact that you asked, you know, I thought that was, uh, it was a uh, very forthcoming. So talk a little bit about who you are, what you do and, and what you want to talk about today. So I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I love being on this. All right, good. So, yep. Tyler, I'm actually born and raised in Boston. So huge New England fan, Patriots. Okay. Um, I'm in real estate, but I grew up in real estate. So my parents owned an appraising company in Boston. So if you don't know what appraising is, it's like when somebody goes out to the land and they are like, this is how much it's worth from the comps and stuff like that. Like more the analytics of real estate. Right. So I grew up with it. My grandma's part of it. My aunt's part of it. The whole family is involved. My mom's a CEO. Really, my dad does all the work. Not a bad gig. So when I grew up with it, I'm like, I don't want to be an appraiser. I want to do the fun side of it, which is more the buying and being the seller's rep side. Yep. So how I got started in real estate was I actually worked for a class A developer out of Texas. I was a leasing agent. I started from the bottom. So like when you would walk into Strata, the first person you speak to would probably be the leasing agent. Okay. And I learned the fundamentals of how to sell working for this developer. He didn't want to hire me. I'm like, I want this job. Like I wanted the podcast. Right. I want this job. So he's like, fine, we'll give you a try. I ended up being the top leaser for the company in six months. We leased out the whole building. They gave us two years. We did it in nine months. I was the only leasing consultant that stayed with the whole company. When the president came on and goes, hey, listen, we have a new person. Um, a new bank is coming on and buying us out. We're moving you to Texas. That's the only way for you to keep this job. I packed my stuff. I moved to Texas. Didn't know anyone. What part of Texas? Dallas. Okay. So we moved to Dallas. They gave me a struggle project. So it was a project that wasn't progressing. It was like decreasing. So when it was starting to decrease, they're like, let's put Tyler in there. Let's have him go in there. Let's try to figure out how we can get this to start making money again. So I go in there. We fixed the project. We brought it up to 99% occupied. It was a long-term hold. They came to me like, we want you over the entire portfolio. It was $4 billion worth of assets in real estate. So I had 50 employees under me, property managers, um, anywhere from, I had Arizona, the whole state of Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, DC, Maryland, everybody. And I'm like, fuck, this is a big job for someone 
25 years old. I'm like, how the fuck Sounds do like this? How do I do this? I went in there, we killed it. I killed it, and then I saw how much these agents were making, and they're like, I'm like, I'm moving to Miami. So when I moved to Miami, I was like, okay, I'm gonna get my own general real estate license because I didn't want to work in an office. I kind of wanted the freedom of kind of doing whatever I wanted as an officer. So what, what year What year did you end up in Miami? Three years ago. And what made you choose Miami? I wanted to live in Florida. Okay. And my parents are, of course, there's a possibility that my parents may move down here one day, hopefully. My dad talks about it all the time. Yeah. He's like, I would love They're to still in Boston. Yeah. They're still in Boston. And you came from Dallas to Miami? Dallas to Miami. So Boston to, to Dallas, no? Nope. I went from Boston, Orlando, Florida. Okay. To Atlanta to Dallas, to Miami. Okay. So I've lived in all those cities since yeah. I was 18. I'm 31. So you're still a baby. I'm still but a baby. But you're very seasoned. I'm seasoned in the real estate. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What do you think? So you went back. One of the things I heard you say was like the fundamentals. And like a guy taught you the fundamentals. Like what do you think? What are the fundamentals, first of all? For real estate. Real estate. And then secondly, you said like how, how the fuck am I going to do this? Well, how did you do it? So don't leave us hanging there. Like there had to have been attributes. So number one, there had to have been fundamentals that you had ingrained in you, probably that you were learned from your family, I'm assuming. And then and then there had to have been something special about you to get a project, slum project or whatever you want to call it, over the hump and to to turn things around. That just doesn't happen by accident. I mean, you're a handsome guy and all, but like it didn't just happen just because Tyler showed up, right? It probably happened because Tyler showed up with these assets. So let's just talk about that a little bit. So I think the number one thing to real estate is you have to have charisma okay. and you have to have the characteristics because you can't train characteristics. Characteristics are kind of given to you. Yes. It's like when you hire for your staff, there's probably certain things that you look for because every trainer has that one characteristic that you probably look for. Yep. And that's the number one thing when I did hiring for all these projects as well. First of all, how many times have they emailed you after the interview? Not one, I want two. Three, text message. I want you to send me a thank you note. I want you to send me something. Exactly. You have to stand out. And I think that's my number one thing that I did when I was in leasing. Every single time, I reached out to them multiple times. My closing ratio was a 97% with the company. So if the lead came in, I will find a way to place you on one of these projects that I had under my portfolio. Right. So that's what I did. And I just never gave up. I get told no a thousand times a day. It takes one yes. I love that. I mean, what I hear all the time and like what I'm hearing you say, and it was funny because I just told my staff this recently, is that basically the difference between success and not successful is not losing the enthusiasm every time you hear a no. So basically maintaining the enthusiasm that you have regardless of the responses that you get. Because to your point, a thousand no's one day will turn into the yes, and what's crazy is that one yes can actually turn into a hundred, hundred more yeses. Like there's such a domino effect, especially in real estate and in really in any business. Building a network requires a lot of a lot of like showing up, showing up, not quitting, not quitting, not quitting, and then that starts to compound, and then eventually you have the network you want. All right, so now we're in Miami. Yep, we're in Miami. We're in Miami, You're and you have to get a new real estate license? Is that how it works? So I had to go through the whole real estate school again. Okay. So I went Because it's state by state, right? State by state, okay. non-reciprocal. Okay. Or it is one of the only um, states that's non-reciprocal because everybody wants to move here. Right. And then you get another one. Correct me if I'm wrong, everybody wants to be a real estate agent. Everyone thinks they want to be a real estate agent. Yeah, exactly. Until they start, they're like, I'm going to kill it. I'm going <laughs> to do this. I'm like this. Okay. 
It's a very competitive market. It's like very the most competitive. competitive market. I get told no, like I said, every day. Yeah. But it takes, you just have to build those relationships. And All right. So you, you came, you came to Miami three years ago. You got your real estate license. How long did that take? I actually signed up for the classes before I even moved here. Okay. So the first day that I was free, I went to the classes. Fun fact is the first time I did the test, I failed. Okay. I was so pissed. Next day, took it, passed. So I, I actually have a friend of mine, I won't, I won't call her out, but she failed three times and then finally did it on the fourth. It's like a law exam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's tough. I heard it's really tough. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, all right, so you pass, you pass uh, the test, you get your license, and then did you work for another company or how did that work? So I, my first company that I got hired with was actually Barbara Corcoran's from Shark Tank called the Corcoran Group off of Miami Beach. Okay. I went there. I was um, with all these big dogs, like people that are doing seven, 750 million a year. And I'm like, again, what shit, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, the leadership didn't work out. So I ended up moving to a smaller brokerage out of Miami shore shores, stayed with that brokerage. There was 14 agents. It was a lot more hands-on. I did one Instagram post and it was for a new development out in Edgewater. And some girl reached out to me. She goes, I want this. And I'm like, People say this all the time. Yeah, yeah. She goes, who do I send the money to? Who do we do this? I'm like, let's set up a Zoom. We set up the Zoom. She's one of the biggest OnlyFans girls. She paid cash 1.375. That was my first deal. So I'd love to dive into that because uh, another real estate friend of mine said that sales have increased in Florida tremendously and that, you know, you guys get, you have to ask for their paperwork, obviously, like their proof of, proof of uh, you know, employment and stuff. And they, they told me that there's been a significant rise in OnlyFans money. Is that Only true? OnlyFans. <laughs> well, Miami is now the capital of OnlyFans. There's been a huge thing on the capital of your OnlyFans. Only wow. capital. And what's your OnlyFans, Tyler? I don't have one. <laughs> I don't <laughs> need to do it. I mean, maybe should I do it at this point? I know, right? It's yeah. like, should we have our feet on the, the screen? I mean, that's about the only thing I think my wife would let me do is my feet, maybe. <laughs> And she might not even let me do that. So to be honest, and who would want to Jesus, <laughs> who knows that we don't know if that market's going to crash. Cause that has a market too. Yeah. Um, but I know like a lot of the girls that she's has that this individual has sent me, a lot of them start in stripping Yeah. and they go to the, they do that. They make so much money. They they get connected to these, these rappers or the athletes or anything like that. And then they get into OnlyFans. but then they make so much more money on OnlyFans. but the key to success for OnlyFans, just like real estate, just like being in fitness is having your niche. Is having a niche? Yeah. It's so cool. what's your niche in I real love estate? New construction. New construction. I love new construction. Is new construction, can that be anything? Can that be houses, condos, or whatever? Or is it more like condos? I like condos. Because like buildings, like, right? That mega high rent yeah. with the, the HOAs that are through the roof. Yeah. Um, I just like new construction because it's easier to promote because everybody likes brand new. And is that how it works now? Because, uh, and I don't know if you know Gigi, that I just did a podcast with. Yep. So she's in real estate and I know she's given like, like given these buildings and then it's her job to sell them out. Is that kind of what you do? Is that how it works or? So with my brokerage now, I work for Douglas Elliman alone, set alone last year in Miami-Dade County. We did 14.5 billion in sales. There's 1500 agents. That's a lot of money. Oh yeah. That's, that's so we big time. are the big dogs. We have the sports and entertainment. We have your new development. Our brokers are amazing. They always answer the phone, but no, you have to be placed on the project from the developer. Okay. So we have your in-house agents, you have a hybrid agent, and then you have your general real estate agent. General real estate, you're kind of on your own. 
you kind of just do your own thing. You do houses on the beach, cook, whatever you want to do. Right. Find your niche. You could do 1980s homes. You could do brand new construction, but for gender real estate. You have your hybrid agent who is p being paid by the developer and they also do general real estate. That's the key. That's the, that's really what you want to be. And then you can also have your new construction. So when you have your new construction, you're being paid by the developer to sit in the office. Your client turns into other agents because you want to bread and butter your agents to bring you the buyers. Okay. That makes sense. I love it. Go back to run that back again. I didn't, I didn't, it kind of went over my head to be All honest. Right. So you have your general. Yeah. Who you deal with your sellers and your buyers. All right. So you want to buy a house. You come to me, you're like, listen, I'm, I'm looking for a house in Coconut Grove. My budget's 3 million bucks. That's general real estate. Okay. Got that. You have your hybrid agent who works in-house and does general real estate. I got that. You have your hundred percent in-house agent who only works for the developer. Okay. That's the one that kind of, I was, I lost yeah. you on that one, but yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And then you enjoy the la the latter, right? I like the hybrid and the new. Oh, okay. I don't want to just deal with new. I, yeah. I mean, it, of course it's great. It depends on yeah. the listing, but it's more of a grind. All right. And any new projects you're working on right now? So, I'm not sure there's a lot, but. There's a lot of projects. Of course, like Wynwood is huge right now. Yeah. You have two new condo buildings coming, Nomad. And then you also have Diesel. Diesel okay. has a branded project coming. They start at 445. In Wynwood, that's that's pretty. That's, that's yeah, that's pretty high. Yeah, I mean that's no water view. That's like yeah. Yep. In the heart of Wynwood. In which is I mean amazing. We're in Wynwood, so we are in Wynwood. Yeah. It's also going to help you because then your qualified client's going to go up. Exactly. Exactly. So you have that. Um, Edgewater has addition coming. They start at two million for a one bedroom, direct water. Okay. You have the Cove coming. That's a New York developer coming. You have Villa Miami, which is a really cool project. I've heard of Villa. Villa Miami. Talk a little bit about Villa. Villa Miami is super cool. It's actually teaming up with Major Food Group. Okay. Major Food Group is more your dirty French Carbone, oh, yeah. all that clientele. Yes. So they're really bringing that hospitality into the into the building. That's needed too. Yeah. It's super cool. And where is that one going to be? That's going to be in Edgewater. So do you know the street? Like, going to be right near Icon. I can't disclose the exact. I got you. Okay. Yep. All right. Edgewater. So, I mean, my hood over the years has been Edgewater, Wynwood, uh, Miami Shores, Upper East Side. Yep. I mean, I've basically lived all over, but but primarily since 2007, it's been uh, Mimo District, Edgewater, and Wynwood. So that's kind of been, and I love it over on this side. I, I think I, I enjoy it. It's insane. Yeah. Like the new developments that are coming and we've noticed another thing here is that this clientele, if it's international, even domestic buyers, they like to buy brands. So then you're gonna start seeing a lot more branded buildings come up. Other branded buildings that are already completed with people living in is like the Porsche Zion Tower and Sunny Isles. Mm -hmm. You have your car elevator that brings it directly into the unit. Desert killed it. Now he has another one coming. You have the Bentley residences coming. They start at 6.5 million. And then you have you have Aston Martin too. We have Aston Martin. Yeah. That should be completed by the end of this year. Um, that's a great building. You have Dolce & Gabbana coming to um, Brickell. Um, Diesel. Diesel and Villa Miami. Um, 11. 11, that's another great. Yeah. G, World of Astoria. And by the way, so do you know, like when is 11 breaking ground? 11 already broke ground. Oh, they did, okay. So there's gonna be two, there's gonna be two 11 branded towers. One's gonna be more your Airbnb investor approved. The other one's gonna be more your full-time living. They're going to be connected somehow. 
And then that's they, what I heard. I heard. I heard they're actually going to be connected to the club too. Is that true? That, that's actually across the street. Oh, okay. In the one. There, so there's not like I heard there's like going to be like this knows? sky bridge there's with so this many, thing. There's like rumors yeah. going around, but we only go by our renderings. There was supposed to be a sky bridge uh, right here to connect these buildings. Really? And the city wouldn't approve it. So, because the two buildings going up right outside yep. are the same owners here. Yep. So it's uh, Rock Hill and Related Group. Yep. But we're super encouraged once these is things. Is it going to be rentals? So I think directly across from us is uh, is um, office space. Yep. And then the ones over there is uh, rentals, I think. Yep. So, yeah. More people and you don't deal with rentals, right? Just just selling or I do deal with rentals. Oh yeah. I like I'm very particular on the rentals. Okay. Um for rentals, the best rental I've ever done is forty five thousand a month. A month. A month. That's <laughs> I've so I've seen some of those on Zillow. I didn't actually know that they actually well, get rented out. And she paid she paid hundred percent up front for a year. Wow. And do you get those kind of things often or is that it's not as rare as you think? Yeah. It's pretty rare. And she was very particular in what she wanted. It was a client, it was an executive for a huge music production company. And she really wanted to just be on a particular island. So I had to really go after that island. And this house wasn't for rent. So I did something called door knocking. This is where the hustler comes and make. I walked around the island. I went to every single door. If I could get through the gate, I said, hey, I have somebody that wants to do this for 45000 One guy answered the door and goes, do you have a deal? Let's do it. No way. Yep. That's kind of cool. You could have gotten shot, but... He was All good. super cool. Um, he's actually one of my best clients now. Amazing. Yep. Um, all right. So talk a little bit about, because I know I'm interested and I'm sure people would be interested, a little about where the market is right now. Because as someone that is wanting a dream home and or, you know, dream condo or whatever, like, is it a buyer's market? Is it a seller's market? Is it like, where are we right now? Because I know... COVID obviously brought just every Tom, Dick, and Harry down here. And I feel like the demand has increased. And as desirability increases, obviously availability needs to increase as well. But now I feel like it's kind of tilting the other way. Am I feeling it right or no? It depends on the market. Yeah. So in Miami, and this is something that I learned when I first moved here, you have your super luxury, you have your luxury, and then you actually have like your just your everyday average. Yeah. Your everyday average for single family homes is still a very competitive market because everybody that lives here full time wants a single family home. Yeah. They're they're hard to come by. They're though. insane unless you want a complete teardown and build it from the ground up. Yeah. That's probably your best way to go. That's what I'm working on. And I'm going to need your help on that. So we'll talk I'll, I'll talk about it. <laughs> um, when it comes to condos, of course, there's so much more inventory. That's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling now that it's like there's just condos everywhere. So how do we fill them up? Well, there's a lot going on because yeah. we also have all these new construction condos coming too. Yeah. So that's so why. So do you think there's more availability than, than more availability in condos than yeah. there is in single family homes? Yes. Single family homes, I think, will always be a competitive market down here. Okay. And in that space, because there's so many apartments, does that help drive the prices down? Or, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah, with it, more. It depends on the buyer. It depends on the seller. It yeah. depends on how eager the seller is to wanting to get rid of it. All right. So that's more completely kind of the seller's choice. Yeah, the seller can do whatever they want. Yeah. Like I had a deal at, in Edgewater. It was on the market for 1.95. The seller dropped it to 1.85. My client went in and got it for 1.77. So it's like, it's competitive. Yeah. When you start dropping the price, it shows 
it shows the public that the seller's eager to sell it. Right. And then they'll come in there and they'll lowball you. And are you seeing, are you seeing any particular demographic coming into Miami? Like, like as far as like, uh, and I'm just throwing this, I'm randomly like Russians, Venezuelans, like Colombians, like, is there anything like that? Are you seeing, or is it just lots of people from the U S trying to book? become Floridians well we can go we of course Miami has a huge international yep. clientele that lives here yeah they like to invest it all depends I feel like it all kind of depends on politics in their in their country yeah that or drives people to come want to buy here when it comes to domestic we see a lot of Northeastern Massachusetts New York City Chicago um one of my clients was from Nashville see a lot of that yeah, we're going to be opening a facility in Nashville. I love Nashville. So. I love Nashville. Yeah, it's it's one yep. of the, like, I love places, I am I love live music, and Na Nashville's the kind of place that you literally wake up, and you hear live music, and you go to sleep, and you hear live music. Yep. Like, it's such an incredible place. And it's also very, uh, very intimate. It's not, it's not really that big. So you can, like, you can do all of Nashville in, like, 30 minutes. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Where if you... In Miami, if you try to if you try to do all of Miami in one day, you'd probably lose your mind. So. You would lose your mind because <laughs> of traffic. Another thing about Nashville, and this is something that I've read, because I like to follow the music scene. Did you know Taylor Swift made Nashville three billion dollars when she went on tour there for three days? What? That was the Just highest the city, the highest gross city that Taylor Swift went to. You know what that shows you, though? Loyalty. Oh, of course, yeah. So when you open there. Your clients are going to be loyal, oh. and that's the key. Yeah, that, that's that's good to know. Um, so, any tools for young entrepreneurs like yourself uh, trying to get into real estate? Do you have any any books that you read? Anything really? Like just you know, like people that watch this. One of the main things I want to get out of this is, you know, it's funny you you said big dogs a lot, like in and and kind of as you talk, and that's the name of the podcast. And I feel like we all kind of have that, that. So I say this often, I say people that come to legacy have an athlete within us all. Like I really truly believe that everyone has that competitive nature inside of them, but sometimes they need it pulled out to help them become what they truly were meant to be. That goes back also think that everybody has this inner big dog in them that sometimes they haven't like gotten it out you know in their field and it could be anything from sewing to real estate to uh trainer to you know banker whatever they decide to do with their life but there's there's got to be a purpose for everybody what what do you think from a real estate perspective can help people find that that edge don't think you're gonna get into real estate and make a shit ton of money your first five years yes just pretend you're not gonna make any money and just help people yeah we're, we're in a field of service. I take all my clients extremely seriously and I turn them into my family. They're my real estate family. That's what I do. I just take everything. It, 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 you have to make it personable. You have to ask about their kids and their pets and their parents. You have to ask for that because if you're not personable, you'll never, uh, it's like you're not, you're never going to make it. Have you ever read the book, uh, Set the Table by uh, Danny Meyer? Mm. So Danny Meyer is the founder of uh, Shake Shack. And his story is impeccable. You would really appreciate it because basically it's it's all about customer service. It's not about it's not about a burger. It's not about an appetizer. It's literally about service and customer service. And I truly believe whatever field you're in, if you're not serving your clients and customers, then somebody else will, you know, and especially in your field and in my field, the gym business, 
super competitive, competitive real estate, massively competitive. So to stand out, it's all that extra little stuff. And I love the fact that you said earlier that you email them immediately, you contact them immediately. I also believe that it's all about that first response. Like if they are engaging with you, they're engaging with someone else also. So can you out engage your competition? And I think that's like really what accelerates any business. It's that extra touch. I call it over communicating. You got to over communicate with people that you want to add to your family, your network. Of course. Yeah. I would another advice for anybody is I tell all the new agents because I go to the office. My goal is to go to the office anywhere from three to four times a week to show face. Okay. In the office, you never you never know who's going to be there. You never know what listings are coming up. And I want to be the first one to know. And all the new agents come, they're like, I've been in the business for three months. I can't even get someone to call me back. And I say, listen, setbacks don't define who you are. It's how you overcome them. And that's the first quote for the first five years. I told myself every day. I go, you still have to get up and go to work every day. You have to post every day. You have to communicate. You got to go to brokers opens. You got to go to open houses. Because now I walk into sales centers and agents come to me. They're like, I'm on your email blast. Your emails are so good. How did you do that? These people have been in the business for 15 years. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. That was a little gem. So I'm sure these guys are going to chop that one up because that was, that was really good. Um, all right. Anything else you want to talk about? I feel like I feel like I don't want it to be you know, much of like an interview. I mean, I want you to spill out everything that you have in you. So is there anything you want to ask me too? That's another thing. Would you ever do a reality show at Legacy? Uh, <laughs> my wife. So my wife uh, loves all that stuff, you know, okay. like, you know, uh, Vanderpump rules. All and right. Like you probably have a blast talking to her about that kind of stuff. I will probably sit with her and have a whole yeah, podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, she loves the real housewives. And I've always, I've always asked her like, well, what if, what if the tables were turned? What if you were the one? And she was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> um, but me personally, I mean, I could do it. But, you know, I don't know. If the if the, if the uh, opportunity presented itself, I'm certainly no, uh, no stranger to cameras. I've been doing this for 20-something years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if a possibility, you know, yeah. The, the long, the short answer is yes. <laughs> so tell your wife there's so many reality shows coming to my end. Yeah. Of course, there's some of the members here that I know that are in real estate that are, on, that are on these shows. Okay. And no one, none of your staff knows that they're going to be on these shows and I already know they're on the shows. I'm like, take care of them. Trust me. Yeah. And Rachel's like, I'm like, I, I tell her, she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's true. But I, I actually had the pleasure to film with Selling Sunset. Yeah. So I have a nine minute clip with one of the girls. We did it on a house on Hibiscus. It was 10 million. I posted it. I got 250,000 views. Actually, I think I, well, you were on the rooftop talking to her, right? Yep. It was a really cool little... So, it's funny that you say that. Like, I find some of those... So, I'm I'm not a big fan of reality TV, but I have caught myself watching those million-dollar listings just because it's it's cool. Like, you know, it's it's one of those things that, to your point, it's it's the elite of the elite. It's super luxury. Um, I think we all kind of sit back and want a house like that one day. You know, that's that's... I think you're you're crazy to say that you wouldn't. Um, and so to see people actually, you know, getting the tour and like that whole thing is it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And, and I'm a design guy too. So you know that I design all my facilities. And because of that, I get ideas watching these shows all the time because of the intricacies of the design of these beautiful homes you can actually implement into a commercial space or 
or one day my dream home. And so I, I, I sit there and like kind of take design notes sometimes too. So of course, I yeah. mean, some of the sales centers for these buildings, like I know that the addition residences, their build out, I believe it was around it was right around $12 million just for the sales center. Just for the sales center. You walk in, you're like, holy, this is gorgeous. Yeah. The way that the walls are shaped and the way that they use their stone and their luxury cognac bar. And then you go into the residences aspect of it and you see the marble from head to toe going all the way up. And it's like, we, we have to paint these visions for these houses and these condos that are being built in 2026. Right. So we have to be kind of like extraordinary about it. Yep. And I tell my boss all this, I'm like, another some advice for anyone that's in business is you need to put a story on and you need to show the story and this is the stage. So like when I go to a listing, I always like to go early before I show my client to do a complete walkthrough. So when my client gets there, the red, the red carpet's open and it's a story and it's showing the lifestyle of them living in this home. That's why you build a relationship with them. Oh, this could be Teddy's room. This could be your husband's office. Right. This could be this. If you start visioning that to them, you're like, oh yeah. You're yeah, right. exactly. Right. You're right. It's creating the image. So question for you, how did you get yeah. started? Cut. In the gym business? In the gym business, I know. And this is me really going back. Yeah. How are you friends with Gunner? Oh, wow. So Gunner and I met at in LA and I'm I'm forgetting the actual event, but they invited a bunch of trainers to be uh to coach at this like fitness festival in LA. And the funny thing was is I got teed up to meet him and he kinda like kinda brushed me off the first the first thing. And not not in a like bad way, but you could just tell he was very busy and you know, it's Gunnar Peterson. So he was uh, you know, like who's this guy? And then hilarious, like, so that was my kind of first impression. But then he found out who I was and who all I trained and stuff like that. And so he called me, like literally called me. And we literally talked for like two hours, like on the phone. And he was like, and he was getting like almost like mad in a good way about everything that I created. Because he was like, why didn't I create this? He's like, no days off. I've been living no days off for 50 something years, you know, and all this stuff. So and then when I told him about Pitt, and the philosophy behind partner interval training, he was like, I cannot believe you did this. This is exactly how I train, like blah, blah, blah. So we just hit it off from day one. Um, just a, a great guy, super nice. I've stayed at his house like two or three times. Now he's in Nashville. He moved his whole operation to Nashville. He's got a beautiful standalone building with massive outdoor space and he's doing phenomenal. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of, my gunner story and we still text and talk every day and he you know he's another one that i've really like took notes from and and just just a guy that has demonstrated consistency and commitment to his craft in a way that i don't think young people even understand to this day like he's really and he's still doing it and he's still committed to his craft and and being consistent and showing up 4 a.m every single day and going to bed at 10, 11 at night, and then bringing the family and being a dedicated father. And like, it's just fascinating to see people uh, that you kind of walk behind them a little bit. I mean, he's probably got like 10, a decade over me. And so I'm just continuing to take notes on that. And, and uh, I cherish his friendship a lot. In terms of like me, I mean, I don't know if you heard the whole story of like how I got into my, uh, how I came to Miami. You heard that already, no. right? No. Okay. No. So 
essentially I was I was I graduated Auburn um, from with exercise science kinesiology kind of a, a health promotions degree I had an opportunity to do an intern at Sanford University in Birmingham Alabama as the assistant strength coach at the time Tommy Rowland one of my other mentors he was a fascinating he was actually my personal trainer when I was playing football um, in high school and then he became the strength coach of Sanford so I was his intern and he basically gave me the football team and the tennis team is basically like you know they're yours take it up and i just i've always had a gift of of training groups and athletes and and people in general um and so i knocked that out of the park but then one day i literally get a phone call from one of my really close friends named ibrahim he was here modeling he was a gorgeous six foot four you know black dude shredded and he was a model down here and he was like bro if you shave your head and this one i had this one I had here, right? So don't give me shit, okay? This one I had here, um, nice gold locks. He's like, if you shave your head, I guarantee you I can get you into Bad Boys 2 as a body double, stunt double. And I kid you not, I literally shaved my head right after I hung up the phone. Shaved my head, sent him a picture, and he literally called me back probably two days later and said, yeah, you're hired. You look just like this guy. So I had $2,000 to my name. A old beat up stick shift Nissan Maxima, gray with cloth interior. Drove 90 miles an hour all the way down to Miami. I'll never forget, like coming over the, uh, you know, when you see the Miami Beach sign and like and you go over the bridge. Yes. Like, I mean, yeah. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God. So I'll never forget that. Then I remember like bouncing on Euclid, like because he lived on Euclid. And I remember the streets were horrible. And I was like, you know, bouncing, couldn't sure. find. Yeah, exactly. It's still the same streets, but uh, and then he had this tiny apartment. Like, it was like half this this room. I'm not exaggerating. It it was the smallest thing. I, and I literally was like, where the heck am I gonna sleep? Sure enough, I slept on the floor. Um, it was a it was an efficiency, like a studio. It did have a balcony though, but barely could get on it. And uh, slept on the floor. Did Bad Boys Two. It paid like three hundred thirty dollars a day. But I knew that that was only gonna last for so long. So I actually went to Crunch. Met this guy named Scott Hauser. He literally was like, you've got, you've got it. Um, I'm hiring you. I became one of 38 trainers that work for Crunch. We're all independent trainers. And within three months, I had more clients than anybody. And it was just like, I saw there wasn't enough enthusiasm. There wasn't enough attention to detail. There wasn't enough passion for the client like it was all like just i just started noticing you know just counting reps and going through the motion where i did all that extra stuff that you were talking about that you do for your clients you know following up on a text taking them out to eat and actually showing them what to to order on the menu um yeah so i just established myself had tons of clients went from crunch then i had a couple of my boys call me and they were like hey you know we're, where where are you and i was like i'm in miami and because I broke my back, I didn't have a chance to play in the NFL. So I had a lot of friends in the NFL. They obviously, where would, else would you want to be? Miami, right? In the off season. So they came down and then I started training a lot of my NFL friends. And then I started meeting the NFL guys here. So I started training people like Jeremy Shockey and Antrell Roll, a lot of the Devin Hester, some of these guys that came from UM. Then got in with Drew Rosenhaus and some of his clients. And the next thing you know, I had 29 NFL clients. I moved my operation to the Flamingo. Yep. yep. So we call it Melrose Place. And uh, that was an adventure to say the least. And um, yeah, I mean, I could, you know, it's the 20 year 
journey. So we could talk li literally all day about it. And then I opened Legacy, my first Legacy location, uh, November 2008. So that was after traveling with a lot of clients, seeing the, seeing what, what the fitness industry was as a whole in the U.S. I mean, I went everywhere from Atlantic City, Salt Lake, Salt Lake City to uh, L.A., to Arizona, to, like I literally was traveling with, one, with this really high-end client. And so I was really, got, I got to see like what gyms were all about everywhere. And what I kept saying to myself was like, they're all the same. I was like, every single gym is exactly the same. I was like, why does it have to be that? And because I came from this college football background of walking into a weight room that's high energy, loud music, chalk flying, you know, people and laughing and having a good time was like, I'm not seeing this in a commercial setting. I think CrossFit somewhat kind of introduced that world to a lot of people, but then CrossFit to me was very, uh, uh, what's a better word to say? Uh, not, it wasn't any accountability from a, from an injury standpoint. I felt like it was not, it wasn't a safe thing to scale. I mean, they obviously did a good job, but I think the average person isn't really trying to throw, you know, a barbell over their head. So I was, but I do love their community aspect. So I kind of took the community side of it and then applied a more safer approach to, to lifting and something that I, I was doing with athletes for a long time, which is kind of the Arnold Schwarzenegger's approach is push-pull cardio, push-pull core and working with the planes of your body and to create symmetry and, and keep you from injury, but then also a fast way to, to burn fat. So, so yeah, again, I could, we could talk for two days on this, but it's a 20 year journey. So it's been a while. Yeah. But yeah. It's like very boutique. Yeah. And I learned something, especially with going to gyms when I used to travel, like Dallas has amazing boutique fitness. Like there's a lot of studios out there. I'm like, these are gorgeous. Yeah. But I don't even know who brought that. Was it SoulCycle that brought that boutique type of feel? Because when I walked in here, I used to see all your signs on Biscayne. Yeah. And it was you guys on the ropes and it's like come in for this partner interval training and i'm like i don't know i don't know and then i eventually i just took the risk and i just came in but i walked in here i'm like this place is sick <laughs> thank you you're i think you're right i think soul cycle soul cycle was one of the very first i think soul cycle berries there is a big orange theory i think those kind of three were kind of the 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 real coming out party for your boutique fitness and I think they did a phenomenal job, but I think what we're seeing now and where fitness is heading is that you need variety. Like you can only jump on a bike for so much. You can only run on a treadmill for so much. You can only row on a rower so much. Like, so I think one of the things that really separates us and differentiates us from the competition is the variety. You literally do not get the same workout like every day, like every single day it's different. It feels different. It, 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 you know, it's the same modalities, but it's done in such a unique and different way every day. And then I can stand by this statement. No one touches us on community. Like it is, it is, you gotta feel it and see it to believe it. But I'm telling you right now, like people talk about culture, people talk about community, but we have a, just a beautifully strong community. I love the diversity. I love the inclusion that we have, like we accept everyone. Uh, we have broke students and we have billionaires. Like, you know, we have eight year olds and we have 80 year olds. One of the coolest things ever is this woman just had her 80th birthday at, at our Pembroke Pines location. That's awesome. And I mean, it was just so cool to see. And that's what we're about. You know, we're about creating an environment that people can feel 
like they're a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And that for me is what I live by. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you. You know, like I want you to feel special. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing my job. And the fact earlier that you said the clients like go out of their way. I mean, that literally like, like I could cry. That's how passionate I am about trying to accelerate my cause, which is no days off. So, you know, I mean, trying to do this every day is hard. I will admit. Yeah. This is not easy. No, it's I'm not easy to do five days a week. Yeah. And I'm at that machine every day seeing if I lose weight. If it's a 0.1, I'm like, Christy, I lost 0.1 today. All right, remember though, you gotta stay off the scale, bro. Come on, do we have to have a discussion? Sure, yeah. Stop, all right? <laughs> Just weigh yourself once a month, seriously. You know, what I would rather you do is literally get butt naked and look in the mirror and then make, a, make that like your thing. So, you know, like look at what you, you know, and then do a twofold. What you look like in clothes and what you look like naked. And to me, that, that, like, that's the eye test, right? No, you're right. And, and if you don't like what you see, then you keep going, you know? And then the truth is, you're never gonna like what you see. No. So you're always gonna keep going. Yep. Even at your best, you're gonna find something that you don't like. That's just human nature, that's who we are. But I think that's, that's what No Days Off is. It's about becoming a better version of yourself every single day. So, but don't beat yourself up with the weight. It's because remember, as you increase your muscle mass, you, your weight might not fluctuate. So you might have more dense muscle mass, which muscle weighs more than fat. So you might actually be losing inches and not weight. And so it can play mind games on you as you start to build muscle, you know? Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. So, so stay off the scale for, he's still going to get, he's still going to get on the, on the scale. So that's it. So we have Nashville, where else? All right. So what's coming up is uh little river. I'm super excited about magic city. Uh, it's, so it's, it's not Magic City, it's Little River. Okay. So it's right next to Magic yep. City. Yep. And I know you know what's going on in Magic City. Are you aware of what's going on in Little River? Exploding. Are you aware? So my brokerage is right there. Okay. So we see, we have a lot of developers that come to us and they're like, hey, this, and we're like, yeah, right, do yeah. it. Do it. Do you know what's going on in Little River as well? well? I know Magic City. I don't know much about Little River. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that off air, but there's a lot going on. And we're going to be the anchor tenant for that project. Um, right across from Sunny's Steakhouse. Do you know, have you ever been to Sunny's in Little River? It was like real popular during the pandemic because it was an outdoor res restaurant and they just put $7 million into making it an indoor outdoor restaurant. Okay. That's right across from us. They're bringing in like 17 restaurants, five Michelin star restaurants. Okay. Um, it's going to be 400 residents. Uh, oh, I know. Um, uh, rentals, rentals. Rentals, okay. And then it's going to be, I think another like two office buildings. There's a, a beautiful architectural school going there called Olay, I think it's called. They came to me, uh, which I feel like that's why this has had such an impact on my brand. You know, the fact, like what you said when you came in here and it, you know, it's beautiful. Like I did that on purpose. Like this is how I want to do all the locations. I want people to walk in and be like, what the hell is this? You know, just that's what I did. Yeah. And so Little River is actually going to be 12,000 square feet with a 6,000 square foot mezzanine and rooftop activation. Okay. So it's going to be tremendous. Um, so Little River is signed, uh, Aventura is signed. So 209 Biscayne Boulevard. It's a Mexico city developer. Don't ask me what his name is. I can't, can't remember. Okay. Um, that is right next to Whole Foods and Chick-fil-A. Got it. It's a building from the ground up. 
it's we're gonna be on the third uh, third floor. These beautiful like exaggerated escalators that go to the thing. It's 8,400 square feet with 25 foot ceilings. It's gonna be spectacular. So that's Aventura. Then Nashville. Nashville's 9,700 square foot, 22 foot ceilings, floor to ceiling glass. It's gonna be an an amazing thing. Um, and then uh, we are working on we are working on Dallas, Denver, uh, Atlanta. Uh, West Palm, and um, I'm leaving one out. Scottsdale as well, so, yeah. So I did a 30-day in Scottsdale. So I went out there in the middle of the pandemic. Scottsdale is Booming, so right? hot. Yeah. Oh, it's hot it's as hell? so hot. <laughs> is it too hot? It, it, <laughs> is it hotter than here? It's hotter than, it's very dry. Okay. Um, and you can see, like, the like the heat come from the... No way. It's so fucking So hot. it's like Vegas. It's like Vegas. Yeah. Oof. But a lot of... You're a lot of California... But it's booming, there. though, right? It's huge. Yeah. You so know, I've, Auto Blonde, your neighbor up the street yes. is from there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've heard nothing... I'm not... I'm not, not privy to, like, all the details of Scottsdale. I've, I've actually never been. But we did our homework, and, I mean, apparently it's it's booming. We're in Atlanta. So Atlanta, we're looking at the Centennial Park development. Okay. Have you heard about that? I lived in Atlanta for five years. Have you heard about the Centennial Park? I have. All right. So it's massive. It's like a $5.1 billion project. Okay. They're basically redoing that entire... So you know where the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is yep. and the CNN building? Yep. And you know where the CNN parking lot is and it's just like a concrete jungle right there? Mm -hmm. They're destroying all of that and doing like 15 high... Uh, high rises. High, high rises. Yeah. Like 10 new, you know, off, like they're basically just building up and building a whole community right there. So, and they want us to be the anchored tenant there. Hey, and that's going to take forever. You know, like it, it'll be probably 2027 before we get in there. But as you know, life goes on, right? Like, I mean, it, it, we're not going anywhere. So we might as well start to this again. That, I see it as planning, planning for the future. And so that, that's, that's, is probably uh if that doesn't happen then you've seen what they're doing at um at the new brave stadium yep uh so that area is booming too so that might be a play too if we don't if we can't figure out the centennial park thing so buckhead yeah but buckhead to me is like that's like when i was in college you know i yeah, feel like still yeah but the real estate it's so kind of how we and you'll appreciate this like i came to Wynwood before Wynwood. I know. I'm going to Little River before Little River. I'm going like I like to pick places. You like gentrification here. Yeah, exactly. So that you can, you can be the reason why it grows, and I love that. I love being like the first in an area that other people otherwise wouldn't go to, and then watch us do our thing. And I have done it so many times and been successful at it. I feel like that's because the gym business is one of those situations. If you end up paying top dollar rent you'll get buried. Yep. And a perfect example is that is Flywheel. So Flywheel got crushed in the pandemic. And the reason why they ended up going bankrupt is because every single location they had was in the hottest, highest real estate areas there was. So they were paying probably anywhere from 60 to $100 a square foot. And if you're paying that in the gym business, you're, you're getting crushed. Yeah, yeah. You gotta stay under 50 just to be, just to be competitive. In the gym business so especially for me especially side like ten thousand square foot facilities because otherwise you're you're busting your ass just to pay rent and who wants to do that you yep. know more so. pressure it's just not worth it yeah i mean we used to deal with the tenants like you guys in dallas 
So yeah. we had waited. We had actually F45. It was the first F45 that came to Dallas, and it was in our building. And they got a really good deal. Okay. And it was before the pandemic. Well, the good news is for us is that I believe we are, we're almost like an added amenity to these type of buildings. Yep. And we also draw a large community, which then if you say have a restaurant or a grocery store or, or something near us, where do you think they're going to go? Like they're going to go to you. So it, it, it definitely helps. And I use that to our advantage all the time is that, hey, we're not just a gym. We're actually a large community that has over 15,000 visits a month. Yep. I mean, that's a big, that's a big number. So do you start seeing a decline in people signing up for gym memberships when you have all these high-end buildings building gyms just as big as this? No, because again, you know, I say it all the time. It's almost like uh, all these big, big so-called gyms and these high rises, there's no energy. There's no community. There's no there's nothing that makes you want to be there. Like it, other than, yeah, it's maybe has a nice view and has some nice equipment, but there's no community. There's no, you know, and again, some people like that, that's fine. But I think the majority of people, and we learned this after the pandemic, that community is huge. Like life is not meant to, to be done alone. It's just really not. And, you know, if you want to go far in life, then get in a boat with somebody else and paddle together and see what you can do, you know what I mean? Like together. And that's what I love about our community is that, yeah, we all we all might believe different things. We all, might all have different job titles or what have you. We might be different economically or, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're trying to become a better version of ourselves together. We're all trying to get in the best shape of our lives. And that literally sets us up to be successful in the other areas of life. And I see it time and time again. If you get your body right, your mind follows, all of a sudden your relationships get better because again, the better you feel, the better you respond. And that's something that I lean into. And I think that's why we separate ourselves from a gym that's free and in the building, you know, but we're not for everyone and I'm cool with that. You know, they got to um, try it though. Yeah, definitely. Knock it till you try it. Exactly. And I think most people have an assumption of things. And I would say all the time is like, don't assume what you don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Get in there, give it a week, try it, truly commit to it, and you'll be fine. You've said some good gems, so I think you did a great job. Anytime.